Hello, Oh, I'm so excited about this part of the show. I know, but despite what you might think and our listeners might think, I am not a narcissist. Okay, tell me more. I am way better than that. Oh. <laughs> Come on, that was a cracker. Welcome to the Tradies and Business Podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, uh, I just really enjoy the music that comes after your jokes. I'm really proud I'm, of the, the banging beats that we've got there at the start of the episode, Coxie. I appreciate that you humour me and I also <laughs> appreciate that today's guest was able to sit through that without groaning. And making the first one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we've alluded to and as you would know from the title of this episode, we do have a guest joining us again today. Here at Tradies in Business in the virtual studio, we're spread all over the country. Um, so we're about to have a chat to Dan from Parpera. Now, I hope I've been saying that right, but um, and I could tackle Dan's last name, but I should let you do it, Coxie. No, you know that I will You'll... stuff it up and really embarrass <laughs> us as a brand. Yeah. not going to represent <laughs> us that way. So we, we should let Dan actually speak because he's sitting here staring at us like a pair of twits um, <laughs> on Zoom as we record this, listeners. But uh, Dan, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Waz. Thanks, Coxie. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for making the time and for the opportunity to chat. Now, um, we should tell everybody your last name. So I'm going to say it's Canizaro. Uh, it's probably the Aussie pronunciation. Can you tell us the proper pronunciation? <laughs> no, look, my, I go with um, Canizaro as well. Uh, but I believe if you were in if you were in Italy and you were saying it, it might be Canizaro. So, uh, but uh, for the purposes of today, I'm happy with the Australian pronunciation, which is what I use, by the way. <laughs> no, nice, man. Love that. nice. Well, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have Italian heritage as well, so um, I'm a bit cheeky in giving the uh, Australian pronunciation there. My my grandmother's maiden name was Beltrame, so uh, we're probably you know somehow distantly related, mate. Given that we're both from Italy, <laughs> which part are you from? Oh, I don't know if I should tell you this. My grandmother used to lose her berries about the Sicilians, <laughs> I think, in the south. So she was from the north. Uh, oh, okay. She, so was, you... she was Torino, uh, yeah, Turin. Yourself? It's a beautiful place. Uh, from from Sicily, uh, yes. my family's from. So uh, yeah, your grandmother would be too happy about that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the uh, country's a lot more unified today, from what I understand. So, <laughs> so Dan, uh, we've uh, shared our backstories with you off air, and our listeners don't need to hear that because they've heard that from us many, many times. Um, but tell us a bit about yourself, mate. You've got an interesting. Uh, app and product that we're going to chat about a little bit today, but uh, I'm keen to uncover the mystery that is Dan from Parpera. Thanks, no, happy to uh, happy to share. So, um, I think um, one really nice thing about the stories you both shared before the show was uh, about sort of where your journey started and what led to why you're passionate about what you do today. And um, and for me, it kind of goes back to when I was 11 years old, and uh, I was. Um, I was, uh, you know, we've covered that I'm a part of an Italian migrant family. I was born in Australia. Um, I grew up in a community in the northwestern suburbs of Melbourne, um, 
where uh, I guess financial literacy or financial resilience was, um, you know, I can say now that it was probably low to medium in terms of its maturity, but it wasn't, they, they weren't terms that we used at all. <laughs> uh, all I knew growing up was that, uh, you know, there's a concept of money and, uh, and amongst the community I was part of, it was quite scarce and people were quite conscious of it. And it, and it caused a lot of stress amongst the community. Um, uh, my father's an accountant, my mum's a bookkeeper. Um, so I grew up with tax returns around the dinner table. So I used to help, uh, you know, it's 30 June's coming up soon. And, and I was part of a household where we used to say happy new year on 1st of July. So, uh, that's, <laughs> so uh, when I was, um, and, uh, you know, the irony of that now is that my, uh, my partner today is a, uh, uh, works in tax as well. So, um, so, uh, from very early on, I had, um, sort of this exposure to, to business and, and more from the accounting side, but I never really wanted to be an accountant. And I was probably because of those tax returns at the dinner table, but I was always really fascinated with money. And, um, and I had an early conversation with myself where it's sort of like, you know, what do I have to do to not have to worry about this? Um, because I can see the stress it places some people around me. And uh, I guess the narrative at the, at the dinner table and kind of, you know, kind of uh, consistent with a migrant kind of narrative is uh, work hard, study hard, and, um, you know, the rest should work out. Mm. Um, so I ran, a, um, I ran a web design business in my teens, uh, did a Bachelor of Information Systems at Melbourne University. Um, I didn't really know what the pathway to success was, but I just knew that if you went to, uh, I guess, institutions, if you started an institution with a good brand and uh, then went on to work at a, a good brand institution, the path would kind of just unfold itself. Um, but I always had a very clear view of where I wanted to go next. So, um, and uh, but on that same note, as I mentioned, the community I was part of, uh, a lot of my friends actually were were either tradies um, through their teens. Some some had left high school early, um, and others really wanted to go do that as sort of their post high school. Um, so, if anything, um, the pathway to become a tradie was really clear for me. Um, it wasn't so clear for me how to how to make it in the finance world or or, or the business world. Um, I learned about EY in my first year at university and I applied to be an intern there and spent the next eight years of my career uh, at Ernst & Young out of Melbourne. Um, worked, uh, started off in cybersecurity, but moved over to consulting. Uh, again, wanted to move closer to financial services, uh, focus on strategy. Um, and wealth and asset management was the uh, sector that I ended up specializing in um, and doing a lot of digital transformation type work. Uh, worked with one of the largest uh, well, the largest uh, pension fund or superannuation fund in Australia and helped them redesign their organization. Um, then was given an extended leadership role, which uh, for two years was focused on the wider Asia-Pac region and grew out their wealth and asset management practice across um, Asia. With, so spent some time in Hong Kong. Um, and that was in my mid-20s. So sort of spent two years in and out of Sydney and then up to Hong Kong and China and Singapore. And then, um, you know, I was, again, just sort of looking, you know, what what's next? How, how can I push this further? And uh, for me, I, I really wanted to to become a um, a leader in financial services. And I saw that a lot of people that were that had these multinational leadership roles had MBAs, and I wanted to go to a top tier school. So I went to um, you know, kind of set my my, my uh, focus on London Business School for an MBA. Um, around that time, uh, I was doing a lot of work around digitizing financial services, and was doing helping out with a lot of uh, thought leadership around you know what's the future of money look like, and what's how does uh, technology and digital play a role in that. And when I got to business school in 2016 uh, in London, um, it was really at the start of this whole, they had this massive fintech revolution that was happening where um, uh, I guess young, young professionals were, were starting um, financial technology companies. They were raising large amounts of money and they were becoming quite successful quite quickly. 
And I was starting to, they were starting to show that actually you didn't need to become a, uh, you didn't need to, you know, wait until you're 50 or 60 as a you know, re- retired uh, ex-bank CEO to start what looks and feels like a bank. Um, you could do it, uh, you know, in your late 20s, early 30s. Uh, you know, granted, you need to know what you're doing and have an idea on how you're going to grow it. But um, I was really inspired by what people were doing there. And um, I met some of the early stage founders of some of the, the most uh, successful fintechs that have come out of, out of the UK and other parts of the world. Spent two years in in uh, in London, uh, sorry, three and a half years in London. Two years were part of the MBA. Spent uh, six months of that in New York at uh, Columbia University at Columbia Business School. Uh, went deeper into understanding investments and uh, um, some really fascinating stuff. Uh, some of the classes that uh, you know Warren Buffett took, for example, uh, in security analysis, and uh, spent some time in Silicon Valley as part of that. And then um, also spent some time in in Dubai towards the end of that that uh, educational experience. Uh, studying Islamic finance. And, and for me, um, for me, and I actually experimented with a startup. Uh, I wanted to automate tax returns. So I, I, I used the joke so I could automate my dad so he could retire. But, um, <laughs> but uh, that didn't work out for me initially because I, I guess what I was really passionate about was, um, was starting uh, what looks and feels like a digital bank but isn't really a bank. And I'll go into a little bit of detail what I mean by that. Um, but I guess when I wanted to pursue that early on in the MBA, I was told by couple of entrepreneurs in residence at the school like don't do it you're not going to make any money you know um you know how are you going to compete with the big banks and uh what i learned over time uh, over like having a deep fascination with the space is that um you know the big banks are, are really great at uh, managing risk and keeping money safe and, and lending money which is kind of the business model that underpins banking mm. you often hear in the, in the media that banks are referred to as lenders and um i was always really fascinated as to why they call them lenders and not banks and or you know deposit holders um, and that's because their core business model is, is actually lending. Um, the, the money that they hold is, is to diversify. If you speak to a bank CEO, they'll tell you that, that the retail deposit, so the, your, your money and my money that goes into the bank, is to diversify the balance sheet, uh, so to diversify or lower the cost of funding that they can, so they can lend that out. So uh, and I'll, we'll revisit that in a moment and what, that, what I believe that means for the, the experience that uh, we have with traditional financial institutions. And why um, and why today there are the fintechs are getting so much um, traction in helping people. So um, so the end of my two year experience, I, I kind of uh, I'd learned a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, I had uh, spent I guess the last ten years in the lead up to that, which I've kind of touched on around um, achieving my own social mobility. Um, but as part of that, kind of really experienced how people experience money in different parts of the world at different tiers of I guess the wealth pyramid, and realized that. Um, that money is money. <laughs> it sounds quite simple, but uh, the financial world does a really good job of making it sound really complex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's inherently made complex so people don't understand. Uh, the lack of transparency actually helps the incumbents uh, stay in business. So the less you understand, the more likely you are to enter into products and services that aren't really right for you. Um, but because we don't know any better, we do it anyway. Uh, and the more likely we're, we're to end up in a situation where... Um, where we um, where we're stressed financially and, and not sure what to do, and so um, at the end of that experience, I decided that I'd, I wanted to come back to Australia. Um, the fintech revolution hadn't quite happened here yet. Uh, we're about, in my view, three to five years behind the UK and other parts of the world. And um, I wanted to launch a a digital banking proposition without without creating a bank. <laughs> and uh, and what I mean by that is um, is a, a way to to safely store money, but then help. Um, 
help you achieve uh, some key key jobs to do with that. And I'll explain that a little bit further shortly. Uh, so I got back in 2019. Uh, the first year I was back, I focused on providing creating a product that was built for consumers, um, so everyday people. Uh, I realized that through my journey, I really was passionate about helping people. Um, I had worked with a uh, an investment group out of out of London uh, that was aimed at ultra high net worth individuals. It was a fascinating experience, but I, I realized that my core, uh, what I really wanted to do was help um, people that were kind of like me and would come from my background and, and really understand money better and um, help them make better decisions and help them have less stress in their lives. So Papera, which you uh, referred to earlier, uh, was born in 2020, uh, just as COVID was kicking off. Um, you know, like many other businesses, we were and, and still are largely a small business. Um, I'm a sole founder. Papera means fair wallet in Latin, so it embodies our purpose, and uh, which is to empower people uh, like you and I and anyone else um, to uh, improve the prosperity and um, of their of their communities and societies that they're a part of through making it easier to do business. So I believe if if we can make it easier for you to uh, by reducing the friction in access to capital, both human and financial. Um, that uh, the world can be a better place. And so uh, the way we kind of want to deliver on that purpose is we want to create, so our mission is to create a platform of fair and transparent products and services that help you set up, manage, and grow your business in today's digital economy. And um, those words are very purposely chosen uh, because we're no, now no longer in uh, what is the old economy, which was oil-driven. We are now in, a, in the new economy, which is which is largely data-driven. And even if you work in a, in a role... Um, that isn't in front of a computer, such as a, a trade. Um, digital still plays a, a huge part in um, in helping reduce the costs in what you do, making you more efficient, and uh, helping you stay on top of your finances as well. So ultimately, our job is uh, what we like to say is to simplify all of that, of everything I've just said, is uh, we want to make business easy so you can focus more on what matters most to you. And um, one of the tradies that use our app, so about 20% of the people that use our app at the moment are tradies. Uh, and one of the quotes that I love is um, spend less time invoicing more time on the tools. And uh, I think that's something that um, was, you said something similar in your intro as well around the passion for the tools. So uh, that's the journey. That's uh, kind of what's led me to where we are today. We, um, we launched Australia's first banking as a service enabled fintech uh, in October last year. We've raised $2.7 million in funding to date. A million of that was equity crowdfunded, which meant that uh, we started the business with investment from the community. So we had around 350 or so uh, everyday people invest in the business. So those checks, uh, those those investment sizes ranged from $250 all the way up to you know 50,000 plus. Um, we put a big focus on community in building the proposition. So we've co-designed it with with um, everyday people, with tradespeople, with consultants, basically the people that we wanted to use the app. We wanted them to build it. It's not every day that you get the opportunity to build a financial service. And my belief is that by the time people get that opportunity in their careers, they no longer remember what the everyday user actually uses the product for because they're no, they're no longer, um, I guess, they've become detached from what everyday problems are. So uh, that's a bit of the philosophy behind it. Um, and now we're growing the business um, and uh, yeah, really focused on how do we make it easier. So we started off with bank accounts um, and, and a debit card and also uh, invoicing. Um, and so you're able to, there are three key problems we're solving. Uh, one is help you receive money simply and quickly. The other one is to help you understand your cash flow um, and understand your tax obligations. And then also uh, to access support that's personalized to you along with products and services. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the journey and, and where we are right now, but happy to dive into whichever parts that you might want to explore further. 
So much there, I don't really know where to start. To be honest. It's incredible. <laughs> I just love that you're using your own education to help make this entire financial stuff simpler for the everyday people. I mean, you're absolutely right. We're, we're bamboozled with big words and phrases and terms and products that we don't understand. And we tend to follow the herd rather than to ask some different questions or to um, maybe even educate ourselves, if I say that a little tongue in cheek. Um, and so it becomes quite complicated and, and we become quite fearful of what money can and does represent for many people rather than actually getting right down to, well, what does this mean? What transparently, as you reference, is this going to mean for me and my business? How is this going to change? There are so many uh, better quality decisions that can be made with that bit of education. And a lot of that comes back to, well, you know, unless you're prepared to go overseas and study and, and do a lot of self-work, it is really hard to understand what some of those things are. So it's great to hear that that I guess you're not perpetuating what has happened so far along over and over again. You, you're demystifying something that should be super simple. Money is money. Yes, there are some complex ways to use your money and it should be super simple so that we can make the most of what we're earning through our very hard work. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Spot on. And one of the reflections I had was sort of when I was sitting there in London, it's like, why did I have to do all this to figure this out? Yeah. <laughs> why was it this hard? It's actually not that once you figure it out, it's kind of like, actually, you no, know, this could have been explained in so many easier ways mm-hmm. over the last 15 years. And I think um, what technology does really well is affords an opportunity to make the complex simple and to give everyone access to that for at low cost. Mm-hmm. So uh, my experience in working with, um, wealth managers for ultra high net worth individuals um there's plenty of access to good tools and financial literacy there because there's a high you know, high fees are paid and people are investing time and money into that um but financial literacy in australia is is uh relative to some of the other major markets around the world i would say is, is low to medium um a lot of people uh we, we grow up with a narrative which is um you know go to school get a job or maybe go to go to university and get a job um, or do an apprentice and get a job and then save for a house, buy a house. And uh, that's that's how you make money. Um, but uh, the curriculum doesn't talk to you about investments and, uh, and um, you know, the importance of superannuation, saving for retirement. And I guess like uh, for a lot of the tradespeople listening today, um, you know, uh, many of them are operators, sole traders and uh, superannuation is not uh, mandated. You need to put it all aside for yourself and tax isn't taken out for you. So at the end of the financial year which is coming up um you know do you know how much you need to pay the tax office or, or get back from them and people get caught out and uh, it can be really stressful when that happens so um that's what we're trying to solve now the gang at papera have put together a coordinated solution to your banking invoicing cash flow management tax reporting and more i already feel relieved how are you no, feeling? It's a load off my shoulders, Coxie. Me too. You can manage your bank business bank account, issue invoices, receive payments faster, schedule invoicing reminders, and even capture receipts to make tax time easier. Hallelujah. All within one single app. What, I don't need seven apps and a shoebox for all of that? No. <laughs> Not even the ute floor. All right. So um, Parpera is a super cool app. And as a Tradies in Business listener you get an exclusive 90 days, so that's three months, for those who aren't sort of au with maths and stuff, free trial offer. Basically, uh, you get three months free to check it out. Uh, all you've got to do is use the code 90DFTRADY, so that's 
D, F for Freddy, Trady, up until the 30th of June 2022 when you download the app from the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Make sure you read the T's and C's with all of this stuff. Um, but go and check it out, download it, get your 90 days free. Have a go, have a play. It might actually solve a lot of problems for you. Dan, you said something earlier that I wanted to um, raise again, which is I think still a bit of an Australian sport is we love to hate the big institutions and the big corporates and the multinationals and uh, you know point our finger at them. <clears throat> um, but you did raise something valid, which is the complexity that, seems to be built into a lot of the systems and and it's made it's made complicated and confusing uh for the everyday person um can you tell us a little bit more about that and perhaps what you were alluding to there yeah i think it, i think a lot of it's in the terminology um so um i think when you get into the 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 landscape is is broken into various uh you know, let's call them verticals for the purpose of the discussion. So, you know, generally speaking, there's the, the banking industry, there's the insurance industry, and there's the wealth and asset management or investment industry, and, and there are many others as well. Um, and there's also, you know, then there's accounting and tax that you need to think about. But as, as a business owner, um, your needs or your key key requirements are, I need to receive money. So that's that's why I need a bank account. It's not because I love banks or love banking. It's, you know, I want to get paid. Um, I need to send an invoice, uh, but at the moment, uh, so the, the, the way to summarize, it's kind of like, it's about what are the, what are the three to five things that you need to do as a person running a business versus the way the industry looks at it, which is the, which, what's the best way for us to organize ourselves to provide these services. So it's about taking a, um, you know, to use industry lingo, it's a, about taking a, a customer first or a human centric view versus an organizational view. And, um, the way the incumbents are structured is they're, they're very much an organizational view. And to change that is really difficult. And they go through multi-million dollar projects to try to change this stuff and they're constantly restructuring. But um, inherent to their business models are, are baked in sort of an, an old economy or old way of doing things. And so if we if we think about sort of the, the journey you or I go through as a business owner, I, I start my business. So I need to uh, register an ABN or register a company. That's done by a particular provider or maybe you do it online. Then I need to get a bank. I need to get a bank account so I can get paid. But maybe before I do that, I might actually try to get a job first. I try to win some work, and then I need to send a quote. I need to uh, get that bank account so I can get, do the work, get paid. Then I need to send an invoice. Uh, I need to chase up that invoice. That's done by a different software solution, maybe, or maybe you're using Word docs and emails and uh, you know, pieces of paper still. Um, you know, I've got some expenses that I need to pay for, so I get the receipts and I put them in a shoebox and I come back for them later on. Um, so now I've got my home that's involved in this ecosystem of mess, and then I've got uh, and then I need um, I need some insurance as well. But uh, you know, I need an insurance provider for that, but I don't know which insurance I need because no one tells me. It's only when I sign a contract that it says I need some sort of insurance that I, I go and get it. But I don't know what's the right one for me. Uh, access to to financial advice is expensive and not accessible, and I don't know where to start. And the government did a massive review and said, you know, there's this whole mistrusting and mis-selling. So I'm really scared to go and get advice because I don't know if they're going to be in my best interests. And um, and then at the end of the month or the end of the quarter or end of the year, I need to get tax advice as well. So I need to go and find someone to help me with that. And so, and the reason why all these things are all separate is because when civilization started or as these, these needs evolved, as society became more complex, uh, we didn't have the technological infrastructure to bring it all together. It was it was all separate. It made sense to be separate. 
And huge industries have built over time around this. But now people are saying, well, actually, we do have the technology to bring it all in one. But trying to do that in an, as, an, as a, an incumbent or existing large institution is really, really difficult. And there are some, some really strong forces at play that keep them separate. So that, that talks about more like at a, a high level, some of the forces at play. Then from a language perspective around making it more accessible to people, um, I think there's a, there's a, it's really hard to build it into our, to our education. Um, so uh, our, um, where most people stop, Getting it, you know, if you did primary school, high school, and then you didn't go to university, well, high school wouldn't have really touched on any of this stuff. There's no, uh, as far as I'm aware, there's no curriculum for sort of you know finance 101 for life, um, and uh, and then so it's sort of self study. But you know, where do you find the time for that when you're a business owner and you're trying to make ends meet and maybe trying to start a family and you've got a mortgage because someone told you that's a good idea to get one of those really early on, um, and so uh, and so I think it's really challenging. And then. Um, and you only really then go to explore these concepts uh, when you when you're in need, when you need to actually do it. And um, but at that point, it's kind of a little bit too late because um, you're kind of this emergency there, and you're trying to really make a purchasing decision. And uh, that decision's that that urgency is there, which is why you're doing it. And so I think the way we want to solve the problem is is that we want to we want to help you from the very start when you when you're getting set up, and we want to provide some literacy around. Okay, you're thinking of starting a business, so what are the things you should think about? And across all these different things, products and services, well, today we can only do a subset of it, but over time we'll look to help you with more and more and, um, and to actually simplify what is meant by each of the products and services and, and why you would use it. And I think if you start with literacy and um, from both business like fundamentals and also financial literacy, and then this is the product you should consider as opposed to here's a product you should, you should consider it, uh, that's when you can nudge people to have better uh, make better decisions and under, like have a proper understanding. So, to achieve that, you need to change the business model, and um, and so we Papera are a subscription based service. So we don't make more money just because you made more money or because you spent more money through the platform. We only make the fifteen bucks a month uh, off you because we that's what we charge. Mm-hmm. But if we we're a financial institution, we'd be incentivized to make money off the money that you either store with us or lend from us or get insured with us. Mm-hmm. And um, that drives the misincentives in, um, in in how things are communicated and sold to us as, as consumers. Yeah, there's there's a, a bias built into that system where if you don't have much money, you don't get cared about, and it just perpetuates that. Uh, you know, you talked about the the ultra wealthy. You know, they have access to all these services and everything because they got the money, which. You know, that's kind of human history, I guess, and maybe that's how nature's organised as well. Um, but in terms of the narrative where governments and industry bodies are all saying we need to do something about this, uh, the system is almost working against all of those desires because, you know, if, if you're a sole trader, you don't have the resources to go and get a private banker and get a financial advisor and, and you know, top-level brokers and everything to sort all your stuff out for you. So it's all uh, cart before the horse. Well, yeah, and that's right. And, and you know, there's no, um, and I think the answer is really through using, you know, again, you can use technology to uh, to promote better behaviors as people are interacting with 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 your product or service. So, you know, we will we will show you your tax estimate in our app as you're earning income. Um, we will we will show you the categories that you should uh, assign to an expense or income. So when it comes to tax time, it's sort of pre pre organized, so it's easier for you to work out what you need to do. Um, the way the you know some of the digital banking apps work is that it's really a consumer app. 
and it's used for businesses. And so when you when you make a purchase, um, it'll it'll come up with sort of consumer like categories, and then you may need to then require and say integrating with Zero or MYOB or one of the other software providers or or your account to then tell you um, the state of play, which by the way costs you more money. Mm. Um, and so <laughs> again, we look at it and we said, well, we can make this really easy. We can actually just present you with a view as you're spending or right, as you're earning. So you can look at it the same way that a wealth manager would show their high net worth clients. So I mentioned earlier that I used to design uh, like automated investing apps or robo advice. I've actually taken some of those concepts and built it into the app because that actually helped. They're the views that money managers look at money. And actually, it's the same view that we can look at money as well. And um, and it actually simplifies it. So you can see how much did you earn this month? How much, who did you earn it from? What did you what did you um, what did you spend it on? Uh, what categories? Which merchants? And um, you know, was there tax involved and what do you need to put aside? So again, the first step is understanding. And once you understand something, then you can act on something. Um, but uh, traditional products have always gone straight to the execution part or acting part before really focusing on that, that first understanding piece. Dan, I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking you make this sound all so simple and <laughs> use. I wonder if you've actually faced a lot of pressure from the big guys. Not yet. Not yet. Um, we um, so the interesting part is is that um, uh, in previous experience, I did a lot of consulting work to the the big the big four, I guess um, banks and um, and the reality is is that uh, from a business banking so the thing about sole traders or small businesses, uh, particularly at the small level, so I mean I'll answer this in a kind of a roundabout way if you don't mind. Um, there are two point four million businesses in Australia. And uh, around 89%, so 2.1 million of them are micro-businesses. They have zero to four employees. And around 66% um, have no employees. They're non-employing. And about 750,000, so about half of that, are sole traders. And and it's really hard as a bank to make money off a uh, a non-employing business uh, because you probably don't have very high lending needs. And the bank's business model is based around making money off uh, interest, off loans. So um, the, they make money in other ways as well, but uh, that's the primary one, particularly for business banking. So their um, their innovation and uh, their focus is all around serving the, the top end of those businesses. And you can make a large amount of money, and they do make a large amount of money out of serving those businesses. But it means that um, the smaller businesses are kind of, they fall in the gaps between the retail bank, which does a lot of t- work and time and understanding the customer base and serving them and a lot of innovation there. And then the gap between them and the business bank. And, um, and, and that's, and so it's, it's largely an underserved and ignored segment. And um, what that means is that we just don't really get um, at the moment, the banks really aren't focusing there. And that's, that's where the opportunity is for us to help people uh, and why, why there's an opportunity for us to exist, I guess. Mm. I'm like filling a gap in the market. Sorry, Coxie. No, No, it's, it's, it's actually um, quite insightful and, I should know this stuff because, I mean, I haven't studied anywhere near as much as you, Daniel. My my brain was hurting thinking about MBAs and all the sort of stuff that you've done over the years. Um, And uh, and I have studied finance as part of my early career as well. And I guess, you know, as you were saying, it's like, yeah, of course I know the banks are, they're lenders. They're not deposit holders. That's not their, their core business. So why would they care about any of us that don't have massive loans or loans at all, yeah. And that's why they charge fees and accounts and everything because they got to try and recoup some of the costs of, of yep. providing those products. Um, yep. And 
I guess it's it's the old thing of where there's a gap in the market. Um, that's where the opportunity exists. So it's uh, it's fascinating to me that this hasn't been solved before. That someone mm. hasn't actually thought of this before. Have, have you got any thoughts on? Yeah. Uh, well, are there other players, and you know, how come you? <laughs> yeah. So we're we're the first of our kind in Australia. Um, it has been solved uh, in in similar ways in other markets. Um, we uh, so to, sort of qualify on, on the, the bank partner. I'm you know always very cautious when I'm talking about sort of regulatory related things. Um, so you know the bank is the authorized deposit taking institution. So they are the deposit holder. Uh, and we partner with Vault Bank as, as our partner bank um, through a technology platform called uh, uh, RailsPay or, or Rails Bank, um, and uh, and so we sit as like a technology layer at the top. So from a um, from the interactions as as a person, you're dealing with us directly. Uh, the money is safely stored within the bank. Um, so up to two hundred fifty thousand is 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 um, is insured uh, from a deposit uh, from a financial claim scheme. Uh, so We've we've found a way to make the money part of it safe, um, which means that we can focus all of it on the on the experience and the innovation, mm. um, and in exchange, because we don't we don't have to worry about sort of making money off the money, we just charge a a flat fee, so we don't have any hidden fees or charges. Um, why hasn't this been done yet in Australia? Um, before uh, the advent of what's called banking as a service, so the ability to 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 access banking services uh, through a partner bank, in a technological way. It used to be really, really expensive to set something like this up. So, uh, to get a banking license in Australia, uh, there were some recent changes in 2017, which meant you could kind of get started with uh, five million dollars in, in in capital, in money that you had to put aside for the license, and then you could build a product for another couple of million dollars, and then you know show that you uh, that you've got what it takes to get the full license, and and for another seventy million dollars of spare change that you need to put aside. <laughs> um, so that's not the that's not the money that you need to run the business. That's money that you need to put aside in case something goes wrong. Mm. Uh, and I'm simplifying here, so um, uh, so yeah, the amounts will vary a little bit. But um, uh, so it's actually really really hard. And uh, I mentioned that um, for someone that's in my stage of my career, getting access to seventy million dollars, um, you know, without building anything is really really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and for many others. Um, and so you really do need to be an ex-banking exec to, to get that sort of capital. Uh, but, you know, we operate in a time where um, where venture capital is, is becoming more prominent in Australia and, 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 you know, has been operating for many years now globally. And uh, if you build it stage by stage, if you can find a low-cost way to get started, um, you can incrementally raise more money to build the business. So, as I mentioned, we, we raised initially $1.16 million, $1 million for crowdfunding. Uh, we use that to build the product. Um, we were the first banking as a service enabled infrastructure to you know, uh, fintech to go live, which meant that we we accessed the banking part of our service for a, a relatively low cost. And so for for effectively a million dollars, we could stand up something that that provides you with access to banking as well as all the other features that I've spoken around around helping you manage your business. So mm. um, so it's really the the access to the infrastructure that enables us to do it has only just become available. And then um, the other challenge is you, you need to believe that the segment that we're focusing on is that there's a real need. And I guess like I've shared with my personal story and and why I can see the need here in Australia. And, and it's not so obvious, I guess. It's not the first place where you'd start. Yeah, it's not the biggest population around. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like it's a huge opportunity. And um, and for us as a business, there's opportunity to go globally. They're the same problems, you know, I mentioned earlier, money is money everywhere. And the same problems exist everywhere. Every 
business that I, sp- I spoke to some businesses in you know Dubai and they send invoices to get paid. Yep. Um, but in, in the near term, Australia is our focus and, and really want to help people uh, better understand money and make better decisions around it. And the more we can bring trusted uh, products and service partners onto the platform as well, ideally you'd be able to, um, in the future, you'll be able to set up an account, a bank account via Papera with, with Vault Bank. Uh, you get a MasterCard business debit card and, and invoicing, and that's today. And then in the future, I'd hope that we'd be able to share with you, um, you know, our trusted insurance partner or our trusted uh, um, accounting partner and say to you, well, have you considered this and proactively share these things with you so you're not caught out at the last minute and proactively tell you, well, we can do this already. Hey, you know, tax time's coming up. We estimate you've got X that you need to pay in tax. Have you put it aside? And we actually have what we call a tax saver wallet where you can put it aside as you go as well. And uh, it's manual at the moment, but we will be automating it. So over time, uh, we hope that we can uh, we can actually tangibly make a change here. And um, yeah, that's what we're... Uh, so what we're on a journey to do. And um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, 20% of our users now are, are tradies. So um, we've found that there's a, there's a significant need for, um, for, our, for our support uh, for tradespeople. There's so much that we don't know, that we don't even know we don't know. And I think um, <laughs> something like Papera and everything I've learned today is showing me how simple that can be to find the solution for. And yet something stood out from your initial conversation about your backstory. We're so far behind here in Australia. Have you got any insight as to why we're so far behind? Yeah, it's it's challenging. There are, um, you know, I'll use the term macro factors, but in, in the spirit of using, uh, you know, more, um, you know, just a high, at a high level, we're not, um, I think we're quite an insular country. And uh, so, you know, we had a pandemic, we were, we fared fairly well compared to the rest of the world because of the ability to close our borders. Um, we're quite self-sustaining. When the global financial crisis occurred, uh, we fared quite well compared to, um, compared to other markets. Um, you know, if, if, if I was my age, you know, given my age, when I started my career, the GFC had just hit. Uh, my equivalent in, say, Italy, for example, uh, they lost entire careers. They never had an opportunity to have a career because the, the job market just, just dried up completely. And I think that that's um, that's led to different sentiment. Uh, so there's a there's a much stronger um, citizen-led or customer-led uh, reason for change in, in, in the Northern Hemisphere where people were burnt a lot more and lost a lot more opportunity. Um, so that, that was one part. Uh, so the, the, the underlying need. Uh, the other part is from a regulatory perspective, um, we, it hasn't, as I mentioned, the infrastructure and the, the ability to do this here has not been as readily available as in other markets. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the big banks are also quite good at, um, at protecting their, their market share. They, they have quite a good grasp on the market. Um, and I think the final point um, is, uh, and I'll probably go off on quite a long list, but um, uh, <laughs> the other big, the very important point is around um access to investment and uh, and, and uh, venture capital to actually support an initiative like this. Um, we're relatively low cost to set up compared to a bank, mm. um, but the, the investment industry around uh, this type of proposition is still emerging. Um, we don't really have a, a dedicated um, fintech uh, fund, and I'm sure there are some investors out there probably saying, you know, we are, but, um, <laughs> and, and there, and there, uh, and there are, um, and there are, um, I guess there, I won't go into too much detail, but there are certain um, 
concessions that are made for investors to invest in certain types of businesses. And uh, when it comes to financial services, uh, there's some restrictions around that as well. So there's a lot more reform that needs to happen at a policy level to make it easier for people like myself to launch these types of businesses. But I think just from a, um, a financial literacy level as well, we just we we are quite um, apathetic when it comes to financial services in this country because we kind of have been brought up to just accept that it is the way it is. Yes. And uh, I guess what we're trying to say is, is actually it doesn't have to be that way and there is an unknown unknown and you shouldn't have to travel the world to go and figure it out. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll bring the world's innovation to you and, and hopefully we can help you. And in exchange, we hope you, you stay with us and help us grow as well. Mm. I love it. Uh, and I think uh, if there's been any good stuff come out of COVID in the last couple of years, it's been that I think more people are asking questions about the way things were and how we've ended up with some of the problems that we now have, which were probably always there, but perhaps they're just not, they're not as uh, invisible now to, to more people. So yeah. um, I love technology and innovation and as challenging as that's been for me throughout my career, because I've sort of studied and started work and everything pre-internet and pre-social media. So um, all, God, all of our listeners right. know that I'm an old bloke. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, so, so 20% of our, so I said 20% of traders, but 20% of our users are also, uh, and we call them members. So you're part of our community when you, when you sign up to our app, um, uh, over the age of 45. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's no, you know, technology doesn't discriminate against a, a particular age group. There's a, there's a misconception that, you know, baby boomers or gen x you know, don't use it as much yes the majority of our members are um, millennials or gen, or gen z um, but i think that's just a reflection of the emerging workforce as opposed to anything else um, but yeah it's it's designed to be really easy so anyone can use it um, and that's how it should be because uh, uh, if you can use facebook or if you can use uh, netflix or if you can use spotify uh, that's because they've invested a lot in the user experience and you know we're doing the same so that's where all the money goes for us it's not in building the underlying infrastructure or the banking capital it's around how do we make it as easy as possible mm. um so you can understand this and get on again get back to the tools like you don't want to waste time on this stuff um you know during covid uh, when i was trying to set up a bank account for even papera i had to go to the branch and how do you go to a branch when you're in lockdown uh so on papera you can download the app and and you can set up an, a bank account in 10 minutes um because we do it all it's all automated um for sole traders at the moment, but we'll do single director companies hopefully next month. Um, but even small innovations like that unlocks the time that you, the delay in setting up your business means the delay in getting paid. Absolutely. Uh, um, yeah. Time is, is yeah. such a huge piece. Uh, I get frustrated just for our stuff here at Traders in Business internally because, you know, Coxie and I live in different states of Australia and for our banking and compliance stuff, it can be really time consuming because of the geographical separation because all of the systems are so old that they rely on you hopping on your horse and riding into Sydney town to go and get the stamp put on the piece of damn paper. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's 2022. Come on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love, I love what you're doing, Dan. Um, Look, we could we could probably talk for a crazy amount of time about finance. Who would have thought it? Um, yeah, hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully, your listeners feel the same way. Um, yeah, it's, it can be really interesting stuff when you dive into it. But um, ultimately, it's not about finance. It's about uh, again just making it easy for mm. you so you can get back to what you want to do. Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
So, Dan, um, a couple things to, to round us out then. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in with a question and then I'll let Coxie actually finish the episode off because I feel like I've I've probably been fanboying a little bit, actually. It's like, this is cool. I wish this was around in 2000 when I was a financial planner. Um, mate, if there was one piece of advice that you could leave a 1,000 tradies in a room, so you're standing in a room with a 1,000 tradespeople, what's one piece of advice you'd love to leave with them, mate? So the advice isn't uh, necessarily uh, for tradies. It's um, just for people. And uh, and um, it's kind of got two parts to it. One is uh, once you realise that everything in the world that we live in is created by people, um, you realise that you can create anything that you put your mind to. So, uh, so that's one really powerful realisation that I had. And uh, the second one is that uh, any challenge that exists in the world uh, – for, for you is actually completely in your control to overcome it. So uh, back yourself and um, and just stay focused and be resilient and you'll get through whatever stress or, or and, and take care of it, take on any opportunity that comes your way. It's fantastic, mate. I love that, Dan. Really inspirational stuff. Thank you. I uh, My kids are going to rejoice that you've done them out of a job. If you've made your app that simple, I don't need my children anymore. They can all move out of home and get on with life. Um, so my children, thank you. And I think um, tra- the tradies will thank you. Something so simple, you know, just understanding some of those obligations that are so veiled and complex and don't need to be. They're actually really quite simple if we remove some of the jargon and the Stuff we just don't yet understand. Um, if an app can do that for us, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for what you've done and for your time today. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Thanks so much. And, uh, yeah, if anyone would love to reach out, um, happy for you to get in touch. And, uh, and uh, yeah, please check out the app and love to hear your feedback. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.